AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Joe Petrie, Editorial Director for Aviation Pros. LaGuardia Airport recently brought a new solar panel array into operation to produce 1.7 million kilowatt hours of renewable energy to lessen the environmental impact of the facility. I recently spoke with Christine Wadig, Director of Sustainability for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, about LaGuardia's solar step forward and the steps it takes to build a stronger sustainability plan at the airport. My first question for you today, and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us, is tell me a little bit about what spurred this investment at LaGuardia in putting in these solar panels. So the Port Authority has some really ambitious greenhouse gas reduction goals. Uh, we have, as part of that, one of our main focuses is on renewable energy. So uh, in 2018, we were the first transportation agency to embrace the Paris Climate Agreement. What that means is we look to align our greenhouse gas reduction commitments with the 1.5 degree Celsius trajectory identified by the International Panel on Climate Change. And so uh, that's what it meant for us to embrace the Paris Climate Agreement. And in 2018, we were in effect in the resistance since the federal government had backed away from commitments under the Paris Agreement. And so that was really our first step in raising our ambitions since over the past decade, really. We had made our, our initiated our first sustainability policy in 2006. Um, but in the meantime, the world has really raised its collective level of ambition, and especially the federal government under the Biden administration has raised the U.S. government's commitment. So we now as you know, there's a, a net zero by 2050 economy-wide goal and a 50 by 30 goal that the Biden administration has set globally. And we, in 2021, in November, we brought to our board uh, an action to raise the organization's level of commitment. So when we did that, we also identified a number of projects that would demonstrate how we would get there. They, the projects that we know today aren't the sum total of what will be needed over the next handful of decades to achieve these aggressive goals. But what we do know is renewable energy is going to be one of the most, uh, the sharpest tools in our toolkit to achieve these reductions. So in addition to renewables, there's also a lot of work that we're doing around sustainable buildings. So you can think energy efficiency. Now we're even looking at full building decarbonization in terms of eliminating the use of fossil fuels. And we're also uh, really focused on electrification of our fleet vehicles, both our light duty, medium heavy duty, and our bus fleet. Uh, and those were the, the main focus areas that we identified in terms of how we would directly reduce our emissions. But when it comes to renewable energy, the devil is really in the details in terms of what the opportunities are. When we look at renewables, there are two ways to go about it. You can purchase grid-scale renewable energy. So 
think of some massive uh, wind farm or solar farm that is distanced from customers, but the power is injected into the grid and can be purchased by customers. So that's one means through which to get there. And that's something that we also do. But what we felt was really important is prioritizing on-site renewable energy. And there are a number of reasons for that. First off, when you generate electricity on site, it's more efficient. You eliminate a lot of the line losses and other inefficiencies of delivering power long distances. In some cases, it could also add to resilience if you're also looking at energy storage as part of that on-site renewables deployment. But also, it's a real, really great public demonstration of your commitment to sustainability. So especially at the airports where there are millions of passengers that can see these solar arrays. Uh, we feel that it's really important to back up our pledges with actual uh, physical manifestations of our commitment. So we've really made it a priority to look across our portfolio at on-site renewables opportunities. And we say renewables to leave space for other forms of energy like wind or geothermal, but ultimately at this point in time, on-site renewables mostly means solar. So in looking at our portfolio of facilities, uh, what we found was it's still hard to make it work because in some cases, either the roofs of our buildings are not suitable for solar for a number of reasons, maybe, they don't have the structural weight-bearing capacity, or maybe they're shaded by other buildings. Uh, and sometimes if we're doing something that isn't on top of the building, it could be too distant from where energy is needed. So it really does sort of narrow the field of opportunities. But specifically at LaGuardia, what was sort of the per perfect complement of factors is uh, we have a massive redevelopment program that we've undertaken at LaGuardia Airport. Much of the airport is new and uh, including this structure where we put this solar array, it's the parking garage that's proximate to the, the new Terminal B at LaGuardia Airport. So it was a new structure. And when we were building it and we, were, we delivered the terminal and this parking garage via a public-private partnership, and so instead of having our private partner actually install the solar array, we made sure that the parking garage itself was constructed in such a manner that it could support solar. So for lack of a better word, it was solar ready. It had the weight bearing capacity that it would need to host a solar system. And so after the garage was opened, we looked at bringing in another private partner, in this case, an energy developer to actually deploy the solar on the rooftop. And so uh, what we did was we went out for a competitive bid to the market. As a public entity, the Port Authority can't monetize a lot of the federal tax incentives that are really meaningful to um, implement a lot of solar projects. And so it made a lot of sense for us to bring in a private, private partner that would not only construct the project, but would own and operate the system so that they as owner, potentially in partnership with other tax equity partners can monetize some of the tax incentives. So that's 
the way we we deliver that project specifically and it it gave us a, a good scale the rooftop was of a, a decent size it is publicly visible it, we had to go through a glare analysis uh, that the federal aviation administration has set up a process through which to determine if a solar array at an airport would be uh, would interfere with any aeronautical operations. And so we, we went through that process. And so it was really one of the, the most viable near-term solar opportunities that we had at LaGuardia, but we're in the process of vetting a number of other locations. And so our objective really is to continuously backfill the pipeline of on-site solar projects that we could pursue across our airports and our facilities overall. That's very interesting to take the solar forward approach to the parking structure that I thought is really interesting. So tell me a little bit about the partnership with Forefront Power. Uh, what brought you to them and what made them such an appealing partner for this type of installation? So we did go through a competitive process to solicit different solar developers. So Forefront was not the only developer that responded to our request for proposals but they were the most competitive ultimately. So as with many other organizations, we evaluate uh, our options for business partners on a number of factors. Some of it needs to be their track record, their demonstrated ability to install, own and operate these types of systems, their familiarity with the incentive and uh, the landscape for policy in, in the respective jurisdictions in which we are, for us, mainly New York and New Jersey. And so, so there are really a number of factors that we use to evaluate our partners. But uh, one of the, the most important ones, which I'm sure makes sense, is on the project economics. So which one really delivered the most value to the Port Authority? So the partnership that we have with Forefront is a power purchase agreement. So what that means is we enter into a contract to uh, purchase the power that the solar system produces. And there is a price that we agreed upon in the contract and there are certain escalation rates that are also pre-agreed upon in the contract. And the contract is most power purchase agreements are 20, 25 years. And so over the term of the contract, Forefront's proposal was the most financially beneficial, but it also, again, it was really about balancing the project economics and the reputation and, um, and experience of the firm. So Forefront really checked all of those boxes for us. And now you mentioned glare testing and you know, that's a common problem a lot of airports deal with. Was that the only difficulty as far as any regulations or anything from the FAA that you had to consider when uh, putting together this plan? It wasn't the only one. It was the one, at least within my role uh, in sustainability, that was the one that was um, the most important thing to vet on my side. But then within our aviation group, there are, you need to go through a process to uh, look at the airport layout plan and look at the impact of any renewable energy project on the airport layout plan that is approved by the FAA. And so we went through that process as well. And because it's a rooftop array on an existing facility, it was determined that it was not 
um, meaningfully impacting the airport layout plan, but that's another step that needs to be taken. And you mentioned there were other areas on the LaGuardia property you're looking at for potential solar. Do, do you have any specifics on those? Uh, you know, the list is long, but we're looking at a number of potential solar parking canopies. Uh, so there, there are a couple of parking lots at the airport that we're looking at for their solar potential. And then there's an old hangar building that we're also evaluating for its solar potential. And then some other um, open areas that could have a ground-mounted system. And so when we're looking at these opportunities, one of our biggest challenges, and this isn't just at LaGuardia, it's at some of our other airport facilities, especially, but even our marine port facilities, is we are in the process of modernizing many of our facilities. And so even LaGuardia, even though we've just gone through a big redevelopment, there is more redevelopment that's expected at the airport. And so the other thing that we need to carefully balance is working with our redevelopment teams, looking at even if there's a building or a parking lot or an open area that is available today, there's a possibility that it could be impacted by redevelopment over the relatively near term. Again, we need to keep these systems in place for a couple of decades for them to really pencil out and for us to really get the value out of the system. So what we often encounter is we, our uh, colleagues at the airport can't commit to certain locations for that long a period of time. And so that's something uh, when I say we're vetting the locations, that's one of the first steps that we take is, will this be impacted by airport redevelopment? If yes, then we table it until the redevelopment is completed, and then we can revisit some of those opportunities. And you obviously have a pretty large overall sustainability plan uh, for the entire authority. By putting this in place at that airport, can you explain a little bit about, um, was there anything that you guys look to address operationally as far as making sure that everyone's working a little more sustainably when it comes to energy usage? So as I mentioned earlier, we're really focused on our, our buildings and how those are not only constructed and operated, but also looking at user behavior and uh, possible changes to that behavior that could make the operation more efficient. So in the built environment, when we look at sustainability opportunities, uh, you know, there are a number of different ways uh, we address it. So if it's a new construction, we have sustainable design guidelines, and that means they're right now mostly modeled on LEED, but our engineering department right now is looking to align those guidelines to a net zero trajectory. So that's, that governs not only any new construction, but also any major renovation over 5,000 square feet needs to comply with our sustainable design guidelines. And as their name suggests, those really are about the design of a space or a building, but we are increasingly looking at how once you cut the ribbon or once you finish the renovation, how is it operated on an ongoing basis? So we are, uh, with our partners as well, we're looking at lead operations and maintenance. We are doing more what they call retro commissioning, so looking at existing building systems and ensuring that they're working um, as efficiently as possible because the, the uses of the building change over time, how many occupants it has, what the 
what those occupants are doing in the space can change. And so revisiting building systems to calibrate those against current needs are, are really important. We have a much keener focus now on asset management. So making sure that all of the building systems are, are maintained at a level where they're operating as efficiently as possible, tracking those assets and how they're managed so that we have a robust data set that we could consult when we're looking at new opportunities for energy efficiency and upgrading equipment. At least we have existing data that we can use to uh, really evaluate project opportunities. But more and more, we are now looking at elimination of fossil fuels. And that really is, in, in a way, the next frontier in the building space. So instead of switching out a boiler for a higher efficiency boiler, we are taking a step back and saying, well, if that boiler has a useful life of multiple decades and we are decarbonizing over those same decades, then we really can't make that financial commitment today and not be at odds with our goals. So we're looking at new technologies like air and ground source heat pumps, using more solar thermal, not just solar photovoltaic systems to achieve some of those deep building decarbonization goals. And then on the fleet side, similarly, we're really making big investments in electric vehicles, uh, both air side and land side. We're working with our partners um, to accelerate their transition to zero emissions air side equipment. We're installing charging infrastructure, not just for our fleets, but also for all of the users of our facilities. So that could be for the public and our public parking lots. It, we have a fast charge hub at JFK for, for hire vehicles primarily, and we're in the process of developing one at LaGuardia as well in partnership with the New York Power Authority. And so those for hire vehicles are on the road a lot. So when, when you look at uh, the potential for greenhouse gas reductions from electrifying those fleets, we really see an important role for us to play in supporting the conversion of those fleets by the drivers. And that also means better air quality for our local communities, which is also very important to us. And, and, and on the user behavior side, what we find is even as we're transitioning our fleet vehicles to electric, the way electric vehicles are operated are very different than internal combustion engine vehicles. So we're doing a lot more training uh, for drivers in terms of how and when they need to charge so that there aren't vehicles and chargers unnecessarily, which could lead to an overbuild of the very costly charging infrastructure. And so we're, we're really focused um, on sustainability on multiple levels across our facilities. And it makes a lot of sense economically and environmentally for an airport to embrace uh, items like you know, solar power to lower costs and everything like that. Can you explain a little bit about the process that Port Authority used in order to help get buy-in with uh, any of the partners that work with the airport on a regular basis to make sure that they're able to embrace these types of sustainability initiatives? Because, you know, there's work to be done on both sides, actually. Uh, you mentioned it could make financial sense if it's lower cost clean, renewable energy, and that's true. But sometimes it might not be lower cost or it's not as easy to compare apples and apples 
because there's an avoided delivery cost when you're generating power on site and and just locking rates in for a number of decades depending on who you are you could see that as being good or bad in many cases it could hedge against energy market volatility i mean look at what we're seeing right now with high natural gas prices uh power prices are through the roof and so 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 you can see that as an advantage in terms of locking in a fixed price but often our finance folks are skeptical and so there was work we needed to do internally to get our finance departments on board really do a rigorous evaluation of the project economics also this project specifically was impacted by covid in the sense that construction started right when i guess it was right before the pandemic and so it had to it was slowed down significantly at first and that slowdown led to higher labor costs because there are a lot more precautions that uh, the construction staff needed to take and different kinds of shift work and it also led to higher materials costs and a longer construction timeline all of which added cost to the project so there was a point actually during the project's construction where we had to amend the contract to reflect some of those higher costs. And so that led to another round of internal discussions around what the new power price was and the reasons for it, and still looking at it in comparison to what we could expect the brown power from the grid to be. So, so it wasn't without its challenges. And then as it relates to our external stakeholders, this project specifically didn't really have a lot of external stakeholder engagement the way a project that we're developing at JFK does because it has what we call a community solar component in which part of the system is interconnected into the local grid and power is made available to our local communities. Uh, this project did not feature community solar because of where it's located, it could not be interconnected into the local grid. It had to be used uh, within the airport footprint. But we did do um, engagement with our terminal operator partners insofar as, again, the garage itself was delivered via a public-private partnership. And then on some level, again, the FAA was, was one of the stakeholders and then just any construction needed to be managed around some of the other operations at the airport. But I would say that was most of the external engagement. And other than that, I mean, it probably doesn't surprise you that the project itself is in general well-received. You know, we're not only advancing our sustainability objectives, but we're raising awareness about renewables within the broader community and advancing goals that New York State has around um, installing a certain amount of solar capacity. So, uh, you know, we feel really encouraged by how the the reaction that we've gotten from external stakeholders. You know, there's a lot of airports that have been looking at increasing or, you know, even investing initially in putting in uh, solar panels or getting a partner to put in solar energy on site. What advice would you give to them 
when it comes to the questions they should think about or the things they should think about before they go ahead and pick a partner or choose a spot for putting in their this type of installation? So due diligence is really, really, really important. And it can be very complicated sometimes. So in this case, the project was a new construction. We had relatively recent drawings of the roof and evaluating its load bearing capacity was pretty straightforward. But what we found in other locations is that's not necessarily true. It might be hard to find existing drawings, as built drawings of the location, especially if you're doing anything like a solar parking canopy or a ground mounted system, knowing where underground utilities are or doing borings of the soil are really important. And so I can't emphasize enough that you want to do as much due diligence as possible before you bring in a developer or a construction partner to build the project. And that includes interconnections. So where is it that the system will connect either to the distribution uh, network of the building or of the airport or even potentially of the local uh, utility? And so knowing that interconnection point and the potential cost of that interconnection is really important. So how far away is it? How much trenching needs to be done? What are the expectations of the local utility in terms of uh, resiliency or um, other construction requirements because even if that system isn't connecting into the local grid the local utility has an interest not just an interest sort of a passing interest they actually need to inspect and approve your system because there could be impacts on the local grid so doing as much of that upfront is important because a developer needs full visibility into that to really accurately cost the project and no one really wants to be in a situation where you evaluate bids based on certain assumptions and it turns out that those were erroneous and now the cost is significantly higher or construction takes longer so so doing as much due diligence as possible is really important and then uh, for an airport operator that does not have a, a tax liability, I do recommend that um, doing a, a power purchase agreement where you're bringing in a private partner to own and operate the system makes a lot of sense. And it also takes the operations and maintenance of the system off of facility staff hands. And especially if your electrical maintenance group is not familiar with renewable systems, then it probably makes sense that someone else is maintaining it anyway. But uh, having a competitive process where you bring in, there are a lot of firms out there that do solar development. And it, in terms of getting the best value and getting the best price if you're doing a power purchase agreement, it, it does make sense to competitively bid the project and really look at the experience of the firm, uh, especially I think it even helps if the firm, there are a lot of firms that are international, they're national, but finding a firm that is familiar with the, the exact jurisdiction in which the project is being developed also really matters because 
every utility has different requirements, whether it's for interconnection or for incentives that might be available. And so it does help to have a partner that understands that landscape before they even start the project, because then they can really maximize available incentives, really look how to best position the system in the market to give you the lowest cost power possible, but also it really streamlines that interconnection process and the inspection process by the local utility. And then I would lastly say there are a lot of co-benefits to on-site renewables. So aside from the reduction in line losses that I mentioned earlier or the public visibility, uh, you know, it really can be a platform through on which to engage with your business partners across the airport and even in the local community in terms of sharing lessons learned or in some cases even making some of the power available to the local community and it it does really engender a lot of goodwill and when we look at the climate crisis we need collective action so as much as we can all educate one another uh, and really accelerate adoption of some of these technologies that's really what we all need to collectively get us where we need to be on sustainability. Wonderful. Christine, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. And I uh, can't wait to see more of these exciting uh, sustainability projects going to uh, the Port Authority airports going forward. Thank you. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. Make sure to check out our March-April issue of Airport Business to learn more about sustainability best practices and the different options airports can consider when looking at solar power. I'm Joe Petrie. We'll see you next time.